Hey, Modern Mamas. This week on the podcast, we are talking about a potentially triggering topic, body image, disordered eating, body dysmorphism, and eating disorders. I wanted you to have a heads up in case this is really triggering for you because it is for so many of us. I also wanted to remind you that the podcast and the information we're going to talk about is not a substitution for individual medical advice. So contact your own medical provider for information about how to create a lasting, healthy relationship with yourself and with food. What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help yeah. working moms, all moms. To yeah. thrive, not just survive on their motherhood yeah. journey. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. for being here today. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Yes. So you guys today, we're going to talk about a topic that is so important and that we don't talk about enough, but that Paige has dedicated her entire like career, I would say at this point (laughs) to, which is body image and how we think about our bodies and how our bodies inform how we think about ourselves just in general. And you know, you guys, that for me as a working mom and for you guys as working moms, this matters so much as we think about our value and our place in the workplace as well. Somehow this informs our value in the workplace, which it should not. So Paige, I just want to have you start by telling your story. What got you so inspired to do this work? Yeah, absolutely. So my story is kind of a long one, so I will try really hard to abbreviate it. (laughs) I am um, very much a talker and also have ADHD, so sometimes my story kind of goes off side roads, but I try to pull it back, so (laughs) I'll try. But my story actually goes all the way back to really honestly childhood when I started um, kind of developing a negative relationship with my body and with food. Um, I am a singer originally from Nashville. I live in Florida now, but um, you know, in the performing industry, body image is a big deal. And I was told that I was too fat to have a record deal and, you know, things like that. And just kept hearing it from, you know, I have no, um, I don't point fingers at my parents at all. I truly now being a mom, I totally understand that they felt they were doing what was best for me. And, And there wasn't this 
body positive anti-diet culture back then. You know, there wasn't that. So um, I just constantly had that and, and grew up kind of um, wanting to lose weight, to fit into my wedding dress, to have this ideal body and, you know, all these things. And um, slowly over time developed an eating disorder that was very silent. I didn't even know myself that I was struggling with an eating disorder, just kind of felt like there was something wrong with me, but didn't know exactly what. And then as I got older, um, I, you know, I had babies and as we do, we gain weight with babies. And then we have that whole, got to lose weight after the baby and need to da, 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 da. And, and I fell deep into the weight loss and diet culture, um, just world. And, you know, with that, I even began teaching fitness classes. Um, I was taking fitness classes at the time to try and lose weight and get my body back, you know, whatever. And um, fell in love with the class. It was actually a dance fitness class and started teaching it on my own. I still do teach it to this day, just from a different mindset, but um, started teaching that. And as a fitness instructor, I got a lot of questions. Can you help me with nutrition? Can you help me with this? Da, 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 da. So I did. And I started coaching people. Um, I was also an elementary school teacher. And so I was, you know, trying to balance the work life and the fitness life and the mom life and all the things. And there was also a lot of stress behind that. Um, I decided to quit teaching. My mom actually passed away from cancer and I just could not handle the stress of being a, a teacher anymore. And I just, or elementary school teacher and decided to teach people in a different way, just kind of, um, enhancing my coaching that I was already doing. Um, unfortunately I was falling even deeper into my eating disorder. I was diagnosed with body dysmorphia as well as something called orthorexia nervosa, which is basically where you are obsessed with ingredients and um, nutrition facts, nutrition labels, and all of that. And so um, it just kept getting worse. And the body image was, was something that I struggled with a lot. I can remember my husband, you know, kind of getting on to me. I'm doing air quotes, kind of getting on to me, you know, saying threat, making threats of I'm going to take all the mirrors out of the house. And, you know, you look beautiful. Why can't you see yourself the way that I do? And he would take pictures like, see, and I'm like, no, I don't see what you see. So I struggled with that a lot. And, um, and to be honest, really when, when COVID started and we're all at home and you're, you're not really around anyone else. Um, I kind of started to hear, I don't really know if that makes sense, but I could kind of just hear my own thoughts and hear my own struggles and really had time to sit with that. Um, and I've kind of felt like I was lost and I felt like, okay, people are turning to me for all of this nutrition advice and how to lose weight and have the perfect body, but I'm struggling with this. This just doesn't seem to be lining up. Something is something is deeper here. So I really spent a lot of time um, digging into that to try and figure out what was going on and how I could work on that and started seeing a therapist and well, I was already seeing a therapist, but we started talking more about it and working on recovery and um, just kind of really started working on self-recovery, leaning into the group that I already had. And just, I'm someone that very much believes in just um, being honest. Honesty is the best policy and sharing our struggles and, and growing from that community is very important. And um, 
you know, socializing, communication, things like that. So I leaned into that and, um, and they started supporting me as well in that journey. So it just kind of took off from there. And, um, you know, I, I have stretch marks from, um, pregnancy and, and I have not just like a little bit of stretch marks. I have a lot of stretch marks and they come up very high. They were very deep. Um, when I had my first pregnancy, I remember after my son was born, I could not sleep on my stomach for probably a month or so because my stretch marks were so bad. They hurt. It hurt for my pants to touch them, all of that. So they're, they're pretty, I have a lot (laughs) and I also have a lot of loose skin and the, the mommy tummy and the fupa, whatever they call. Um, so I struggled with, with my relationship with my body, mostly centered around that. And I'll never forget seeing someone, honestly, it might've been, I'm going to give her a little shout out, the bird's papaya. If you don't follow her, you need to follow her. She's fantastic. It might've been her, um, that a friend of mine shared in one of her stories and it was her stretch marks. So I started following her and, and I think it was her that just kind of made me feel not only better about myself, but feel like I also had this powerful voice where I could share that bodies like this are normal, you know, and it just kind of skyrocketed from there. And and now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I think a pretty good summary of that. Yeah. That's a great summary. And I want to hear, was there a turning point? Because I think for COVID, there were a lot of come to Jesus moments for many of really? us, but, yeah, yeah. but was there a moment where you realized like, this is too much, or this is taking over my life. Was there a specific moment? There are a lot of moments, honestly, that I feel like kind of snowballed, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I shared this actually the other day about moments of how, um, you know, you know, for me, I also struggled with eating disorder. So it was more than just body image, but, um, there was, you know, several moments of just arguing over where we're going to go out to dinner because I couldn't eat the foods that were being served there, you know, things like that. And then different things about, you know, there was one point where my son, I think he was either seven or eight at the time. I can't remember. He was, it was a few years ago and I saw him push his food away and he started poking at his belly going, I'm just so fat. And I just, that was one of those kind of like uh, the V8 juice, like moments where I was like, Mm -hmm. I am feeling this onto my kids and they're seeing this and they're hearing mommy can't have this. Mommy can't do this. Mommy can't, you know, and I also, um, my social life was greatly impacted. I didn't want to go out with friends. I didn't want to be in my bathing suit around people. It got to a point to where I was so afraid of food affecting my body that I was, (laughs) I was, saying that I was fasting for health reasons when in reality I was starving myself and I would go for days, 86 hours, not eating because I was so afraid, not only of just food, but just afraid of my body just miraculously changing overnight because I ate, you know? And so it just got to that point where my social life was so bad that my husband started noticing and making comments. So really just all of these things kind of snowballed, but that the fasting and the not eating was really kind of my major breaking point of, I can't live like this. Yeah. So there's two things from that one. I saw a post you put up that was about like, is it possible that I've gained nine pounds overnight? How is <laughs> I was that possible? About that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that is, yeah, it, that's true for so many women. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and you can, your body does fluctuate and it does change. And there's so many factors, you know, that contribute to that. But when you are struggling with body dysmorphia, it's not even about your actual weight. It truly becomes a number game and it becomes a, just a, a mental battle, you know, where you are constantly seeing yourself in a, in a, and I say this, um, let me, let me just kind of say, you see yourself in a larger body in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And it is truly, I feel like, because we as a society, especially in America have, um, this internal fear of fat, we have this fat phobia built in. And so you are afraid of, of that, you know, and you just don't see yourself in, in a body that you have. And even if you do, sometimes it's not about that. It's about your worth. Just thinking my body is ruined. I have all these stretch marks. I can never wear a little bikini. I can never wear crop tops and I can never do this. And I, and you just constantly hear negative, 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 negative. Yeah. When yeah. really we truly are so much more than a body and our bodies are the least interesting things about us, but we struggle with accepting that we can say it all day long and we can cheer on other women, but when it's ourselves, we tend to struggle with that. Yeah. You know, the other thing that you said that I think resonates for me and I think will for a lot of other moms listening to is the idea of when your child gets to a certain place that or certain age that's triggering. Mm-hmm. My oldest daughter's almost eight and over COVID she's had some weight gain. And, um, and as I look at her, like the negative thoughts that I know started coming around that age for me, yeah. that mm-hmm. it's like, you look at your child and then you start having these like weird, like projections onto your kid. And then all of these triggering thoughts, I think for me about, wow, like that is the age where I really started paying attention to the way that I show up physically is attached to my worth. And I think that that's a turning point for so many moms when they start to realize, like you said, whoa, I'm spilling all of this onto my kids. The way that I'm talking about myself is affecting my children. And it's even in ways that are very subconscious that are about, they just see you like you have the shakes and the, you know, everybody else gets to eat normal food and mommy has to have a special shake or everybody yes. else gets to enjoy the ice cream and mommy says, no, thank you, you know, or picks like the locale version or whatever. Uh-huh. I'll never forget the feeling just of almost like that feeling you get when you're in first place, like I did it, you know, and I will never forget the feeling of we sat down. I don't even remember what we were eating. Cause, cause that just shows right there. It, it's not about what you're eating, but I remember my, both my kids saying, you're eating that. Like you, you can have this with us. And they were just so excited that I was there with them. Yeah. You know, and I truly honestly do not remember what the food was, but um, yeah, absolutely. With what you're saying. And, and that was, you know, so many things I can remember all the way back to when my youngest son was in preschool. I think he was like two or three and he brought home this piece of paper that he had been working on. He was so excited about it. And it was where they had to cut out pictures of a magazine and put them on the right side of, it was literally labeled bad with a frowny face and good with a happy face. And of course, you know, it was all the quote unquote healthy foods and the junk food on one side. And, and that at the time I was like, yay, you're doing so good. 
know, mm-hmm. da, da, da. but that, that sheet of paper, I think about it all the time. And not that there was any, we had wonderful preschool teachers. No, nothing bad about that, but, no shade to uh, them. but, again, yeah. <laughs> but again, it's, you know, it's, it's ingrained in our culture that there, there's good food. There is bad food. There is healthy food. There's not, there's junk. There's not, you know? And so we learn that at a very young age and it sticks with us. But unfortunately, what also comes with that territory is if I eat good, I'm being good. If I eat bad, I'm being bad and I need to make up for that, you know? Right. Yes, exactly. That it's about uh, your choices with whatever you're eating or a reflection on who you are as a right. person. Um, yes. Now, I want to ask you because some people who are listening might not know the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders. And I've seen you yes. break that down a bit. Can you break that down for our yes. audience too? Absolutely. I get that question all the time and and kind of get some little you know, we get some little haters on Instagram every once in a while that that just don't understand. And and that's okay because, um, we don't hear that a lot, you know, an eating disorder truly is a, a mental disorder, a mental struggle. And, and along with that, you know, can also come a lot of trauma, a lot of depression and anxiety. Um, it's just a, a much deeper negative relationship with food. Um, you have that fear you're, you're not eating or you're, you're binging, you know, an out of body experience, not, not overeating. Many people also get that. Um, and, and just to, just a side note, I am not a licensed therapist. I'm just sharing simply from my research and my own personal experience. But, um, you know, a lot of people get the overeating and the binging mixed up, you know, binging is disorder. You know, there were several times where I was just completely it is an out-of-body experience. There was a time where I was digging food out of the bottom of the trash can in the pitch black garage, you know, and don't even mm-hmm. realize it until the garage door opens because someone got home, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're overeating, it's just totally different. So things like that mindless eating, just overeating or eating out of fear, you know, only getting fat-free, sugar-free, keto, whatever the new trend is, because you're afraid of what's going to happen to your body or, choosing specific foods because you feel like that's right, you know, or punishing yourself by over-exercising to make up for the cheeseburger that you ate. Things like that are more of a disordered type of eating, not necessarily eating disorder. Yeah, exactly. And you guys, there's a whole, you know, you guys know I'm a pediatrician. There's an entire what's called DSM, you know, uh, specification of what actually meets criteria to have an eating disorder or body dysmorphia or disordered eating. But this is the point that I want to make today for you guys is that even if on the outside people would say, oh, she's so healthy. Oh, she's Mm -hmm. so fit. Oh, she's an ideal body weight. But in your head, you are all day, every day thinking about food and talking negatively to yourself about the foods that you eat or chastising yourself or thinking about your next exercise class you're going to take as a punishment for yourself because of what you've eaten. That's still unhealthy. It might not land you in the hospital. It might not mean that you need a feeding tube, but that is going to seep out eventually And it steals away from the joy of 
living, the joy of living the rest of your life, of being present. Cause that's what you're talking about. I think when you're talking about being with your kids at the restaurant and being able to just enjoy is that when in your mind, you're so focused on, is this okay for me? Am I going to be bad? If I eat this, you don't get to enjoy the moment of connection with your children. You really don't. And you know, and I mentioned that I live in Florida, we live in Orlando. And so we go to Disney world all the time. And I'm so glad that I have healed my relationship with food because I just can't, I just can't help but think about how sad it would be to go to Disney and not be able to eat all the Mickey shaped foods, you know, which yeah, just, yeah. but the, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed in, in a, I'm kind of shifting a little bit, sorry, but, um, in, in my form of eating is Yes, I'm eating things that I used to view as bad or that I used to not allow. It wasn't approved on my diet plan or whatever. But now when I eat them, I can have a little or even the whole thing and be completely satisfied. I don't have this feeling of this is the only time I'm going to have it. It's going to be taken away from me. I'm never going to get to have this again. So I better eat it all now. And I get to truly enjoy, you know, just the entire experience of eating, tasting the flavors, um, who I'm with, just the happiness and just the, the freedom of guilt is not there. You know, the guilt is not there. They always say like guilt is not an ingredient. So those things, it does make a huge difference. And and then just the memories of getting to be with my kids, you know, we went to the water park the other day and, um, food was not, not, I didn't even think about food. The old me would have constantly been thinking, oh my gosh, we're not home and I didn't pack this and I've got to make sure that I, you know, can fit this into my diet today. And it's just, it's those types of thinking is kind of more of that disordered eating that can lead us to losing that joy and living for a pursuit of weight loss instead of life. Yeah. And freedom. I think freedom is the key word that you said. Now I want to hear about, and I know also disclaimer, right? Everybody's journey is so completely different, but I want to hear about just the high level of your journey of then what changed because what would be running through my mind if I didn't know and hadn't like, you know, been uh, peeping you on your Instagram for the past couple months um, would be, well, so now what? She just eats like whatever, like chips and tacos and like, you know, cake all day long and like sits around on her couch. Like, you know, how does she actually then make sure that she's staying healthy? You know, that there's some yeah. level of balance. And how yes. exactly did she break free from this prison of disordered eating? Yeah. You know, I will just tell you straight from the bat. It's not easy. It's really hard. Um, you know, as, as much as we think following diets are hard, following a diet is easy because mm-hmm. there's rules, you know, to follow. And it's, I'm doing this. I've got a checklist. When it is truly a journey of self-discovery, there are those trial and error times, those times where you you do something and you figure out, hey, like that just doesn't work for me. I've got to change it. And so it, it's intuitive eating and food freedom you know, the words that you hear all the time is, is time and, um, compassion. And I always tell my girls, you know, that I, that I coach now that everything is a learning experience. So when we do have those moments, because they will, you don't just flip the switch and say, "Mm, I'm done dieting. I'm going to eat whatever I want and be, you know, free now. It, It doesn't work like that. And so when we do have those, those moments of, this doesn't feel right, or I'm falling back into old habits where I can feel diet culture creeping in. 
we have to look at it from a, a different perspective and, and we have to look at it from a place of compassion and grace. And what can I do to learn from this experience so that the next time I feel good and I feel comfortable because that's what it's all about. And that's ultimately everyone's goal is to mm-hmm. feel good. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, teeny tiny or in a larger body, if you don't feel good, that's not that's not fun. Nobody wants to not feel good. So it really is about that and just figuring out what feels best to you, finding that as much as I hate the word balance because it is very diety, it is finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Intuitive eating, food freedom honors health way more than people think. People just assume, like you said, that we sit around and eat tacos and chips all day. And I love tacos and chips and I do eat them without guilt, but not every day. And at the very beginning, when I started allowing food in abundance, I was eating a lot of chocolate and it got to this point where it was just gross and I didn't feel good and nobody wants to feel that way. So now I can keep chocolate in my pantry and forget it's there. I don't even, we've had Oreos in our pantry go bad. We've had to throw them away because there's no excitement attached to that anymore. And it took a long time to get to that point to just kind of release that excitement to discover that, hey, when I eat Oreos all the time and I sit down and I eat the entire pack, I feel like garbage. So like you said, everyone's journey is completely different. It's the same thing with this. Health looks different on everyone and health does come at every size. Health is about finding the balance of just having an abundance of a variety of foods, moving your body and figuring out what feels best to you, not only physically, but especially mentally. You know how like in high school, you could join different clubs depending on your interests or things people were into. I wasn't really that much of a club person when I was younger, but these days it feels like having a tribe of other working moms around me is so, so valuable. And it's hard to do in real life because we're all scattered and busy and have our separate lives. We have designed the Modern Mamas Club to be that club, that tribe, that support network for you. And we didn't want it just to be about what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome professional or what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome mom, but also what are the ways we can help you to remember who you are as an individual person? Voila, welcome. The Modern Mamas Club is on the scene. It's a community of mamas to support you, 24 access to our video library, live events, workshops, hangouts, relatable mom rooms and discussions, and a resource library and recommendations from yours truly, Dr. Whitney. Go check it out at modernmommydoc.com. Okay. So a couple things you said that I absolutely love. I feel like one of the main themes here is moving from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Like Yeah. There's not only one chance to have this bite of cookie or of pie. Like you can have it when you want. Don't worry. This isn't your like little token of this that you get to have. And then the other thing that I love is, um, 
about the exercise piece and the movement. I've seen tons of posts for you because you you exercise quite a bit and move your body quite a bit about mm-hmm. the idea of finding mindfulness and joy being mm-hmm. the goal. Like only yep. moving your body in ways that bring you joy. And you might be sweating. You might be like, oh, my thigh hurts when I'm doing this squat. But that yeah. it's <laughs> like to fun music and that like yeah. you want to do it again, sure. that it's not a punishment. It shouldn't feel like a chore, you know, and a lot of times dieting and exercise come together. And when the diet has failed you, you kind of have this negative attachment to exercise, or even you feel like, oh, I'm exercising because I have to lose weight. And this is the only thing. And it just feels daunting. It feels like a task, right? Um, So sometimes we have to just kind of take a break from it. If we choose not to exercise and rest, that's still a form of self-care. If we choose not to exercise for a certain amount of time because we're focused on healing our relationship with food, because if we come into exercise having a negative relationship with food in our body, it's not going to be joyful. It won't. And it's it's going to, no matter what you say and no matter how, how big your smile is or how loud the music is, it's still coming from a negative space. Um, so taking that time to heal from it is very important, but it is truly finding the exercise that feels good to you. That makes you happy. There are certain things that I am not a fan of running to kickboxing. I I can't, I look, I, I look like, I don't know. I can't do it, which is crazy because I'm a dancer and you'd think that I'd be, I can't, I can't, I look terrible. Step aerobics, awful. Can't do it. It does not bring me joy. But especially the running, you know, my husband is a runner. He loves to run and I just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And for the longest time, I, I would tell myself, oh, I'm doing this program because I love to work out and and it's a stress reliever for me, which it is. Exercise is a huge stress reliever. But when I started noticing that I was exercising and finishing early because I was just over it but I would still check off the box. It wasn't about moving my body. It was about checking off the box and mm-hmm. saying I did it and having yeah. that almost a bragging right. And so it took time to, you know, I love to dance. I love to ride a bike. I, I love strength training. But then there's also times where I'm just not digging it. You know, like today is a perfect example. Um, you know, I think you mostly have women on here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about to be that time and I'm just not feeling it today. So I left the gym. I don't wear an Apple watch. I don't track my time. I don't track my workouts. I just do what I feel like doing in the moment. And, uh, and not, not saying that following a program is a bad thing. Um, as, as long as it feels healthy to you. Um, but if you don't feel like working out, that's okay too you know, and you're, you are allowed to stop. But I think the biggest thing kind of circling back to what you're saying is, is making sure that you're not losing that joy in the movement. And and I also want to say that I think this also kind of gets a little twisted. Um, movement and exercise doesn't always mean in the gym, you know, and, and slinging weights around that could mean going on a walk with your girlfriend that could mean parking farther in the parking lot and walking an extra five minutes into target. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we know we all do that a lot. So mm-hmm. that's going to add up over time, you know, just finding that movement throughout your day, you know, is, is also a big game changer. Yeah. 
I think that's a good point. And I, my biggest thing that I love to do is Peloton. Like I love going on the bike, but then I also have found, I don't know if you've done this yet, the new like cardio dance that's like to usher. It's like a whole 20 minute usher and he comes on at the end. <laughs> I'm like, in, yes, I'm in the club okay. with usher at the end of the dance. Yeah. It's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> but those that's are the so moments funny. that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm clearly, I'm doing this because I'm reconnecting to my senior and high school self, like at homecoming. You know what I mean? This is not me. Yes, it's fun. It's not me punishing myself and I have to get to the end. And if I stop 10 minutes early because I want to, then it's fine. Um, I want to bring it back. Oh, sorry. I'll also say too, the having that mentality of, oh, it's got to be fun. Not always. It could be very relaxing. You know, you could do right. yoga, you could meditate, you could just relax, like whatever you feel like doing in the moment that's going to make you feel like you are respecting your body because of your choice, not what someone else is telling you should or shouldn't do is, is really the key. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just so excited about this conversation so that, you know, I just yeah, keep on talking. Um, So let's talk about women in the workplace and how body image shows up there. I don't know how your clients, what kind of the mix is of people who are stay at home or who are working as well, but my whole group are people who work. And I think there's a lot of pressure also on women when they show up at work to be dressed with their makeup ready, to have their hair looking good, to to make sure that they are looking thin, honestly, either a perceived pressure or an internal pressure to get the promotion, to get more FaceTime with a manager based off of appearance. Do you find that as a pressure with the clients you work with too? Absolutely. I do. The girls in my group is kind of 50-50. There, there are quite a few um moms that stay home or work from home. And then there are some that also are in the the work environment. And I, you know, I, I myself was a teacher for seven years. So I completely, you know, for me, you know, I can only speak on my own experience. I did feel this pressure to kind of keep up with everyone else and to also be a role model and a leader. You know, mm-hmm. that, oh, look at me, I'm the one eating healthy and I'm the one that you should turn to for nutrition advice. And I'm working out after school while everybody else is going home. You know, I kind of had mm-hmm. that that competitive side to me mm-hmm. that did not work out in my favor. <laughs> but I absolutely find that that and, and kind of like what you were saying, too, um, I think it depends on their all work environments are completely different. You know, and you see on social media and on TikTok, people talking about the work environment and about how people are treated unfairly and things like that. And and it even stems all the way down to the medical, you know, and, and the health industry. And mm-hmm. um, body image plays a huge role in that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I, I said, the performing world, the entertainment industry, big time. Yes, big time there. Like, I can't even imagine that. Oh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I, yes. I, you see all of these people that are at like the Met Gala or at the whatever. You're like, I know that does not happen from you just eating. Like they'll show them on, what is it? Like on Facebook where they'll show an entire thing of like, this is what I eat in a day. You know, a celebrity. Oh Have you seen that? I hate those. I've had so many people ask me to do that as an intuitive eater. And I said, absolutely not. And there are, there are amazing intuitive eating 
influencers out there that do share that and they do a fantastic way. Victoria Garrick, if you don't follow her, she's awesome. She does those, but she does, she breaks it down to the process of how she's eating and it's, it's phenomenal. But I personally don't share those because I know for me, when I was in a diet mindset, I would have been looking at it. Oh, that's what she's eating. That's what I should be eating too. Right. Because I cannot tell you how many times I Googled, what does Adele eat? You know, like things like that. And it's, it's, it can be unhealthy for the person that's watching. So I try not to share those things, but that, and then, you know, talking about the fitness industry that, you know, people that are celebrity trainers, uh, and not, and not saying this for everyone, but we can't, just like you said, with social media, we can't believe everything that we see on social media, on TV, on videos and, and all of that. Um, one, cause it could be edited Two, because, oh, I'm throwing out a lot of names. Sorry if that's not your thing, but Shalene Johnson, yeah. she is a, a fitness, fitness trainer. She's done a lot of, um, exercise programs and things like that. And she, um, fairly re- right around COVID, she started coming out and sharing her truth and, um, gained a lot of mad respect from me and talked about how, you know, she used to have women come up to her all the time. How can I get a body like yours? And she's like, just take my 30 minute a day exercise class and you'll look like me. And she's like, but in reality, people didn't know that I was struggling with an eating disorder, starving herself every day and having multiple plastic surgeries, you know? And, And she's like, and I was, and working out, she said she would work out. I, I could be exaggerating this number. So I don't know that I want to say, but for some reason, the number five hours was it, or three to five hours was oh in my, my goodness. How long. Yeah. And, and the other thing that comes with that is genetics. We are all built differently and yeah. bodies are not a trend. Unfortunately, they, they are, they, they, you know, you can look back throughout the decades and see how the ideal body has transformed and changed. But realistically, not everyone is built like Kim Kardashian. You know, so I think the main takeaway from today as we're coming to a close with Paige is this. Do you want to spend your entire life trapped by your thoughts about food and about your guilt about exercise and having your worth tied to how you look and what you eat? And I think that when you break it down to that, that is to me inspiring to want to break free from the chains of disordered eating or from an eating disorder and for myself and then for my children so that I don't pass on a legacy of worth and value being tied to food and to appearance. I mean, gosh, mm-hmm. I, that makes me want to cry to think about my eight-year-old child feeling bad about herself because she looks slightly different in this season of her life. Like how horrible. It's like robbing her of the time and energy and focus she could be spending on so many more important things. Absolutely. I love that. And I want to also add to, you know, it, it's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you have those negative thoughts and they're never just going to completely go away. But the more that you do work on healing your relationship with food and exercise and body image, those negative thoughts become easier to manage. And it's one thing that has helped me. I, I always like to share this is that it's not about loving your body. 
-hmm. you know, there are parts of my body that I don't love. I don't love my stomach. Um, but I now, instead of looking at it as something that I hate, something I'm disgusted from, I look at it as, yeah, no, that's not the stomach that I would choose if I was, you know, designing my perfect body on a computer game, but that's the stomach that I was given. And Mm -hmm. that's the stomach that allowed me to birth two beautiful boys. And this is what I have to show for it. And it's more just about finding that acceptance, um, to where, you can focus on living your life without those feelings holding you back. Yeah. I think actually, I'm really glad you said that because I think that's an important distinction. This isn't about, okay, now we're going to shame ourselves for having the negative thoughts. Like how horrible, (laughs) right? It's about like, it sounds like to me that intuitive eating and that your approach is not about all out body positivity, all moments of all days, but more about developing a journey of a sense of freedom and then developing a really deep level of self-compassion for how you feel about yourself in that moment. Yep. hundred percent. Nailed it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Paige. Can you tell people where to find you so they can get on this gravy train too? (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. So all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, mostly Instagram and TikTok. Uh, My handle is all the same. It's Paige and then the letter P because that's my middle name, Bryant. Um, I also have a YouTube channel with some of my older dance fitness um, videos that I put on there. I haven't really updated it in a while, (laughs) but they're still on there. And there's a few body image videos on there too that are really great. And it's just Paige Bryant. I also have a website. I forgot about that because I just actually finished it like a month ago. It's uh, www.pagebryant.net. Awesome. Okay. You guys go check it out for inspiration, for camaraderie, for a fellow person who's working on self-compassion and say hi. hi. Absolutely. Thanks Paige. Thank you so much, Whitney. Hey mama, if you want more of the modern mommy doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag modern mommy doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.